Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Chapter 24. Rita Skeeter's Scoop. Everybody got up late on Boxing Day. The Gryffindor common room was much quieter than it had been lately, many yawns punctuating the lazy conversations. Hermione's hair was bushy again. She confessed to Harry that she had used liberal amounts of Sleek Easy's hair potion on it. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Our theme this week is integrity. And Vanessa, you're going to tell us a story. I am. So for my entire life, for as long as I can remember, every Friday night we called my grandmother in Israel to wish her a Shabbat Shalom. And then we would call my grandparents who lived locally in Los Angeles and wish them a Shabbat Shalom on the Shabbats that we weren't actually physically with them. And I did this until my grandmother in Israel died. I called her every Friday night and I called my grandparents throughout college, my 20s and even my early 30s. I was still calling my grandfather, Peppa, who is still alive in Los Angeles, every Friday night to wish him a good Shabbat. And over the last couple of years, as he was in his mid-90s and his health was declining and his mental facilities were diminishing, the calls just became silly, where I would call and say, like, hi, Peppa, it's me, Vanessa. I'm just calling to wish you a good Shabbos. And he, like, clearly didn't know who I was. And he just sort of wanted to get off the phone. He would say, thank you, darling. I love you. And hang up. And I was like, okay. And so eventually I just sort of stopped making the calls, you know, with the time difference. I would sort of have to interrupt my night, whatever I was doing here. And it felt rude to interrupt that for a meaningless call. Well, in the last couple of months, his health was really deteriorating. And then a couple of weeks ago, he stopped eating. And my mom put him on hospice and we were just trying to manage his pain. But it was clear that he would die within a few days. And I was trying to get home to Los Angeles in order to be there. But with all the nor'easters that have been hitting, it just took me several days to be able to get home. And, you know, usually when somebody stops eating, they tend to live for about five, six more days. And Papa was pushing like a week, eight days. And the hospice nurse said to my mom, he's clearly waiting for someone. But so many people have come by. Like, who is he waiting for? And my mom said, he must be waiting for my daughter 
you know, who's on her way. My mom told me this and I was like, okay, like tell him to wait till Friday. I'm trying, you know, as the snow was falling here in Massachusetts. And for some reason on Thursday night, the night before I was going out to Los Angeles, I called my mom to see how Peppa was doing. And for the first time ever, I said, mom, can you just put me on speaker? And she said, sure. And so I said, hi, Peppa, it's me, Vanessa. I love you. And what was amazing is he died about 30 seconds later. And it just made me realize that I should have been calling all of those Friday nights. And I definitely didn't stop calling because of a lack of integrity. It was because I thought that it was silly and, like, there was no point to it. And I also had that feeling that there was no point to my saying I love you to a morphine-induced sleeping papa. But there does seem to have been some impact on that, or it was a crazy coincidence. But regardless, that experience just taught me the importance of having integrity in your actions, even if it feels like a meaningless gesture. And I think I saw that in this chapter when the three kids go down, Hagrid hasn't been coming to class, and they are banging on the door that they want to talk to Hagrid for 10 minutes. And After a minute, it becomes clear that Hagrid is not coming to the door, and they just keep banging on the door. And I think that sometimes having integrity in those meaningless gestures still matters. Hagrid is inside and hearing that they love him 10 minutes worth. So even if you can't change the actions of something, just having integrity in your gesture matters. So I'm excited to talk to you about that this week, Casper, and what exactly we mean when we say integrity. Vanessa, I'm so grateful for your story, and I'm so touched by, in some way, he was waiting, and that even if you couldn't be there physically, like, that integrity of your action, like, that wish to just tell him, like, I love you, and it's okay, to give him the permission, nearly, that maybe he needed in some way, I'm I'm just really moved by that story. We'll post on our blog this week some pretty cute pictures of me and Peppa. Vanessa, integrity is such a good theme for this chapter, I think. So so we should remind everyone what happens. And I'm glad to go first to do that service for our listeners. That is very generous of you to serve our listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> On your mark, get set. Okay, so this chapter is really all about Hagrid. You know, there's been that scoop in the newspaper and like, he's a giant, ah, scary. And Rita Skeeter's like, "Mm, I'm going to bring him down, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then um, Harry and Ron and Hermione go to the, because Harry and Ron, I mean, Ron and Hermione are like chill now. Um, And they're like, no, come out, come out. And Hagrid doesn't respond. And then they go to Three Broomsticks and have like butter beers. And and they're trying to figure out how does Rita Skeeter know all these things. And Draco's being like, ha, ha, ha. And we meet Professor Grubbly-Plank, who's pretty boring, but she brings a unicorn. And then they come back and Dumbledore's there eating cake. You know, narratively not very strong, but like, again, little moments. Will you help fill in the other half of the story? Yeah, I don't feel like it's half, but yeah. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. The big thing that I think that you didn't touch on is that Harry is struggling with the egg for the next task. And Hermione is like, how's it going? And he's like, great. And then Crouch is like, I mean, Bagman is like, how's it going? And he's like, I don't want to talk to you about it. And Bagman is sort of willing to cheat. And it becomes clear that Bagman also owes money to goblins. And something is amiss there. Um, It turns out that a lot of parents want Hagrid to stay. The unicorn thing, Draco's being a real jerk. I feel like you got everything else, right? Yeah, just like the Crouch is missing. Oh, yes. Crouch is missing. That was the first 30-second recap where, like, we straight up just helped each other. (laughs) That was beautiful. You know, because we have integrity. 
yes, what is more important than our vanity is our listeners knowing what happened. We are willing to break the rules for the integrity of our purpose. So, Casper, let's start with maybe the clearest moment of a lack of integrity and integrity. Bagman, right? He is supposed to be the person who is overseeing the Triwizard Tournament. And he offers to Harry to help Harry cheat. I am willing to have no integrity on things, but that just seems like such low integrity that his life would become meaningless. If you're going to cheat at the one thing that your whole life stands for, then who are you? Bagman. I'm not asking you, Casper. (laughs) I mean, it does make you wonder, like, was his whole glorious career founded on a lie? Yeah. And that's why he has turned to gambling. Well, the thing is, so he approaches Harry and we'll find out later why he's so invested in Harry winning. But I love that Harry first asks, have you talked to Cedric? Because... Bagman frames it as, oh, we would all want a Hogwarts champion, wouldn't we? Harry's not beyond having a Hogwarts champion. He just wants to make sure that it's fair amongst the Hogwarts champions. So I think we certainly see Bagman's lack of integrity around this competition. But we also see a little bit of Harry's potential hypocrisy in that, yes, he's willing to accept help, but as long as it's fair between the Hogwarts people, that's okay. You know, I think throughout this chapter, we'll see Harry really navigating in a conflicted way, this question of integrity around the competition. But Bagman is a clear case of someone who's broken with his own values. Well, and part of the reason why Harry doesn't want Bagman's help is because Bagman has so little integrity that Harry's like, I don't trust you. I don't know what your motives are. And so you might give me bad advice. Absolutely. Who's giving the help is supremely important to Harry. Yes, which makes sense for Harry. He's someone who has integrity within certain relationships and is very loyal to the people he's loyal to and then is, to a large extent, willing to blatantly disrespect people who don't matter to him. Well, let's let's dig into that because I think that helps us get at this question of what is integrity because I think in those cases whether it's Hagrid showing him the dragons or Hermione teaching him how to summon the broom really well. You know, he's willing to put relationships above his own integrity. And I think in small and big ways, all of us do this to some point because integrity is really about the alignment with what you think, with what you do. Okay, so I think we have a perfect case study in the text, which is Cedric. Cedric is positioned throughout this whole book as the paragon of integrity. He values fairness. He values being a fair sportsman. He competes hard, but he plays fair. And will even diminish himself in front of his father to make sure that Harry isn't getting the short end of the stick. Exactly. Like, he is a good man when it comes to this. And so Harry straight up tells him about the first task. Harry's doing this lovely thing of saying, Watch out, Cedric. Dragons are our next task. And in this chapter, Harry reflects on why has Cedric not just outright told me what this task is? He's clearly figured something out, but all he's telling me is take a bath. And Harry's frustrated. And I actually think it points to Cedric's kind of conflicted inner nature where he both feels a pull to repaying Harry's debt of telling him what the task is and a real loyalty to the fairness of the task by saying, like, you're not allowed to help each other. And so I think... Not doing either fully leaves him kind of exposed in both. I'm someone who is very good at justifying moments in which, on the surface, in my opinion, I don't have integrity because I'm like, well, my higher loyalty is to X. So I like to think that I have a lot of integrity in my work. But if I have a friend in distress, then I'm saying, well, it's actually an integrity in my higher principle to my friends 
than getting this work done. I feel the same way about ice cream. I am committed <laughs> to ice cream in my life, and I will not go for a run and have an ice cream because that is my goal. Well, and that's it. It's like it's such a slippery slope because <laughs> I'm like, I have integrity in self-care, and therefore I need the snap <laughs> and not to get my work done. And it's like, no, Vanessa, you're just taking a nap. So I think it it's hard sometimes to figure out whether or not you are acting with integrity. I mean, even with Papa, right? Mm. I justified it that, like, it was rude. I would be out with you. And I was like, excuse me, let me step out to call mm. my grandpa who doesn't care whether or not I call him. Like, why am I doing that? Mm. But looking back, I think I should have. Mm. And so it's interesting the ways that we rationalize things. And it's hard to suss out, like, what is you actually living to a a higher principle? Yeah, I mean, that question of kind of trusting your inner gut or temperature in some way, it's hard. And and sometimes we only realize after we've done something that it wasn't quite right. We see it at the end of this chapter where finally the trio have gone back to Hagrid's hut. Dumbledore is there. They, they speak to Hagrid. And Hagrid is kind of going through this process of realizing, you know what? Forget Madame Maxime. I'm not going to be afraid of Rita Skeeter. I need to be proud in who I am. And he talks about his dad. He says, you know, my dad would be ashamed of me for being ashamed. I need to be proud. And then Hagrid says to Harry, you know what I would really love? I'd love you to win this tournament. And Harry's like, oh boy, just add more pressure. Okay, fine. And then Hagrid asks like, well, so how are you getting on with the task? Do you know what the egg is? And Harry said, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I've got it. And then the text says, lying to Hagrid wasn't quite like lying to anyone else. And I feel like that's the moment where Harry realizes like, oh, I've been out of integrity. This was a misstep and I, I made a wrong judgment. And now, like, I've kind of made it worse and I don't know what to do. I think often we don't realize when we're out of integrity until it's too late. Yeah. And I mean, part of why Harry has to lie to Hagrid in this moment is because Hermione is there and he's already lied to Hermione. That's right. Something that my grandmother actually used to say is that lies have very short legs. They catch up to you quickly. And I think that that's right. Part of the reason that I am such a fastidiously honest person is that I know that I'm not smart enough to remember my lies. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'll be found out so quick. I might as well just tell the truth. Even when it's hard for people to hear the truth. Even when it's hard for people to hear it, even when it's embarrassing for me to say it. The thing I was really thinking about throughout this whole chapter was if integrity is about, you know, consistency about our inner life and our outer action, the whole theme of this chapter is about wholeness, that you don't have to divide yourself. And this whole book in so many ways is about dividing yourself or about, you know, whether it's Crouch Jr. who's inhabiting Mad-Eye Moody or if it's Madame Maxine hiding this part of our identity of being part giantess. And most importantly in this chapter, Rita Skeeter being completely dishonest about the fact that she can turn into a beetle and pick up stories that she is not allowed to do, like she's breaking the law when she does it. This theme of separating ourselves, which leads to being out of integrity, at least in one place in our life, like that seems like a theme that's so present in these books because I think it's so present in our lives. Like it's so hard to be consistently who we are in different places because it's nearly impossible to. I think it is impossible to. Like we can't we can't actually show up in every place in the fullness of who we are because it would be it'd be inappropriate, it, it might would... be risky. It doesn't fit within the rules of how we're supposed to be at work with our family in school. With children, with students, with our boss. Right. When we talk about the need for boundaries, what we're also saying is that we have to boundary who we are and that we therefore create separation in ourselves, which means that being integrity, integrity is impossible. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Speaking of grubbly clang, can we talk about how fabulous her unicorn moment is? I mean, we all know that blast-ended scroots are, like, not our favorite animal. But Grubbly Plank is really doing something great. Like, bringing a unicorn to the classroom is not something you do every day. So I have mixed feelings about this. I think that women are often ignored in the classroom. And so that it is lovely that Grubbly Plank has picked an animal to really, like, elevate the attention that girls are getting in the classroom. However, half of her class doesn't learn at all in this class because unicorns prefer the touch of a woman. And I don't know, as somebody from an education background, yes, there's an argument to be made for lifting women's voices, but not just not teaching half of your class. I'm going to say something outlandish here. I think boys deserve to learn too. (laughs) It's interesting to think about Grubbly Plank because she's always contrasted with Hagrid. And Hagrid, for all his gifts and his love and his care, is not a good teacher. Nope. And Hermione realizes that, and frankly, Ron and Harry do too, but they are so overwhelmed by their love and support for him that they will withstand whatever, you know, attack is aimed at Hagrid. But, like, Grubbly Plank is a better teacher. But sometimes integrity isn't what we want. And I think that's interesting. Like, sometimes what we want is the loyalty, is the friendship, is the camaraderie or... You know, it's too painful to let go of something that we love in order to do what's right. And I think one of the big messages that we take away from this book is, you know, choose what is right over what is easy. But like sometimes choosing what is right means not choosing someone that we love. And that's in some ways much more difficult. Well, and also it then becomes, is it right? Mm. I don't know. I pick loyalty over integrity. (gasps) I want to think about that for each of us. If I disagree with a friend who's on a rant, I will think very carefully about loyalty over telling them what I really think. Is it worth informing them that I disagree with them? And almost always the answer is no. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, I can't believe that happened to you. I just think that the world is so hard sometimes in the way that I would justify it to myself is, I mean, as I was saying earlier, I think the principle that I hold myself to is one of like, being loving and supportive. I also have a real love of truth. And I'm constantly struggling with like love over truth. But 
I think that I might put loyalty above integrity in that way. And the question to me is whether or not that's still integrity. Let me throw in one more question to that dichotomy between loyalty and integrity, because I think time is the other factor that we have to throw in here. If it's someone going on a rant and we're listening to them, I totally get it. Like, we need to just just hear it, affirm it. We're loving on this person. The truth, from our perspective, is not really relevant at this moment. But if every day the relationship is like that, right, if that challenging of my integrity to stay loyal to you continues over a stretch of time, that's when it breaks for me. Like, if I constantly have to sacrifice my integrity to be in relationship with you, I can't do that forever. I completely agree with that. At a certain point, I'm not being myself in order to be friends with them. Right. So the relationship is a total lie. Exactly. Then the relationship itself doesn't have integrity anymore. Right. Oh, I love that. You're not even being loyal to them. So if we think about that juxtaposition between integrity and loyalty with this kind of added dimension of time, the trio's reaction to Hagrid, I think, is really stuck in this chapter. They're choosing loyalty. They're not choosing their integrity of education, even though especially Hermione is clear that, wow, that unicorn lesson was super helpful. If Hermione is learning 50% new stuff in a lesson, you know that lesson is well planned. But who's to say that the trio made the right choice? Yeah, I don't think that they did. I mean, I think to your point, their loyalty to Hagrid actually hurts him Mm. because Hagrid is doing a job that he is bad at. Yeah, because over time, this is going to really impact their understanding and education. And like, who knows how a better understanding of magical creatures would help them in their battle against Voldemort. Yeah, they might know more about Nagini. Absolutely. We would know more about snake lactation. And Hagrid would potentially be advocating for his like wizarding status to be changed so he could get a wand back. Or he could go and get more training as a teacher. He didn't go beyond grade three in school. (laughs) Right. He, like, has an eighth grade education and loves monsters, not magical creatures. It's a bad job for him. I think that that's the thing. And that's something that I really struggle with with integrity is I have a younger brother who I love very much and is one of the best people that I know. And I always got accused of being hard on him when he was younger. And I always saw it as a sign of respect. I was like, Mom and Dad, you are constantly enabling him to be this baby, whereas he's only a couple years younger than I am. And I believe in his ability to do this. And it sounds disloyal because I'm, like, being mean to him, frankly. (laughs) But I think I'm actually being loyal. Sometimes having integrity in the truth makes you more loyal to someone These things are very overlapping, but I do think that it comes down to time, right? Because this is a prolonged relationship that I have with my little brother. This is about the student's education. Whereas in small things, I think it's okay to be like, I'm picking loyalty over my over truth right now. Yeah. And if we think of integrity not as a static thing, but as something that grows, then we should think of loyalty in the same way that you're not just loyal to the person who they are today, but who they can become. So It's time for Casper's maybe left field insight into the chapter. I was really thinking about what does true integrity look like? So much of our conversation has been about the challenge of living in integrity, especially as it regards to relationships. And relationships in a large part are facilitated through language or at least through kind of a self-consciousness. And so it really struck me that Professor Sprout is in the greenhouses and they're kind of steaming up um, because there's so much activity and It made me think that in some ways, like plants 
are living in full integrity. And stay with me here because they don't use language. There's no self-deception. There's just a straightforwardness to how they respond to stimulus, to sunlight, to rain, to warmth. There's a wholeness to foods, right? Natural foods. That There's something about They how, can't help but be themselves. That's what I think is so beautiful. I don't think that this is an outlandish thought. I think that poets will often put sort of like the heart and desire in conversation with plants and animals. One of my favorite poems is Peonies by Mary Oliver. And she says that flowers bend their bright bodies and tip their fragrance into the air and rise their red stems holding all of that dampness and recklessness gladly and lightly. And she calls she calls them beauty the brave, which I love. And that gives me something to aspire to. I would like to be beauty the brave, right? And just think that my bravery is beautiful. And so, I no, I think that putting our ego in conversation with plant is interesting. Like the natural world responds differently. Like even when the trio is banging on Hagrid's door, Hagrid stays silent, but Fang barks really loudly. Fang responds. There's maybe a, a path forward, like what you're saying, like how can we learn from the natural world to be reminded of our true nature in some way? And which things in the natural world do we want to be like, right? There are some animals who eat their young. Mm. No, but maybe we want to be like the peonies. So, Casper, this week we are doing one of our favorite practices of florilegia once again, where you and I each pick a sentence that sparkled out at us, and then we put the two sentences in conversation with each other. Which sentence did you pick this week? Let her try. That's when Hermione is like, Rita Skeeter. <laughs> Let her try. Yeah. How about you? He climbed up onto the side of the ship, stretched out his arms, and dived right into the lake. That's a beautiful sentence. Thank you. So now let's discuss a little bit. Casper, why did you pick your sentence? I love this sentence because it's about Hermione fully claiming her righteous indignation and her courage and her like nearly foolish willingness to take risks sometimes. And we we think of Harry as the reckless, foolish lead character in some ways and Ron's blind loyalty But, like, Hermione has all of that, too, in spades. And I just love how fearless she is. I want to be that fearless when someone threatens me or someone I love. Let her try. And we know that she's going to get her revenge. So it's extra sweet. How about you? Why did you choose your sentence? This is when Crumb is training for the next task. And so he goes on a swim in the lake. And I, for a year, went swimming once a month, regardless of the weather. And you came with me one month in November, so it was chilly. And it was just such a fun goal. And those moments where you are standing over water and you are about to jump and you know it's going to be cold is a gleeful, terrifying, joyful moment of aliveness and one of courage. And just like this great moment, I went on one of my swims in the Irish Sea in the winter. And there were all these octogenarians who were just like doing their morning swim in the Irish Sea. And they were like, girls, it doesn't get warmer the longer you wait. And I just love that Crumb like doesn't even take a second. He just jumps right in. So 
I think it shows that Krem is just like, I got to do something. I'm going to do it. That's such a good life lesson. It doesn't get warmer the longer you wait. Yeah. They were just like, get in. (laughs) So shall we now put the two sentences in conversation? Yes. Please read me yours. Let her try. He climbed up onto the side of the ship, stretched out his arms, and dived right into the lake. Oh, I like that. It's as if your sentence is responding to this kind of invitation, like, bring it on. And there goes Crumb, like, diving straight in. Yeah. And in some ways, so does Hermione. She's diving straight in into this challenge to counter Rita Skeeter's kind of vile fake news. Yeah, and I also like the idea of, like, let her try, and then she'll dive right in, right? It's if you give people a moment to try something, maybe they will. They'll rise to the occasion and they'll dive right in, even though it's cold. Shall we put the sentences in opposite order? Yes. All right. You go first. He climbed up onto the side of the ship, stretched out his arms, and dived right into the lake. Let her try. Oh, do you know what I'm thinking of, Vanessa? The body of water is, of course, where the next challenge is going to take place, and Kram is going to have his shark head. And the person who really struggles with this challenge is going to be Fleur. And I'm thinking that Fleur is going to be trying to save her sister and fails. That's about as far as my brain has gotten. But No, but that I had never thought about the fact that she has a harder task than anybody else. Mm. While obviously it's lovely that Harry is trying to save Ron and Victor is trying to save Hermione and Cedric is trying to save Cho— Trying to save your younger sibling is a totally different stake to have. I've never thought about that. Me These neither. are all like crushes or friends. That is not the same as your sister. And it's a child. Everybody <sighs> else is like of the same age or older. <sighs> and so Flirt has an unfairly hard mm. task here in trying to save her sister. Even in the water, the patriarchy lives. Because Fleur loves her sister more than she loves whatever boy she's flirting with, she gets punished for that love. Mm. But I do think, do you know what maybe a potential lesson is? Something that I try to do Mm. when I'm panicking is say like, okay, you're going to make it worse. In moments of panicking, to try to remind yourself to slow down. Mm -hmm. Makes me think of one of the Dalai Lama quotes that, Usually I meditate at least for an hour every morning. But on a busy day, I meditate for two. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The more rushed you are, the slower you should go. Yeah. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Vanessa, this week's voicemail comes from Margot Zarin Pass. Hi, Vanessa, Casper, and Ariana. My name is Margot, and I live in Minneapolis. I'm calling with a blessing related to the chapter, The Yule Ball. And I've probably read this chapter 20 times before, but I've never noticed a specific line until this reread this year. So Harry and Brevardi are dancing, and the text tells us that Moody comments on Harry's socks, which he can see through Harry's robes. And Pavardi says, he is so creepy. I don't think that I should be allowed. And Harry doesn't really respond or acknowledge in any way, and the text moves on to other subjects. And that line struck me because Pavardi is completely right. If Moody can see through clothes, that's a real threat to the students. And I agree with her that I probably shouldn't be allowed. And the line struck me so much because in high school, I was a lot like Harry. I had this math teacher who I learned so much from, and I really looked forward to his class. But in retrospect, he was completely lecherous and sexually harassed many of his students, was completely disgusting in his behavior. And recently, a group of alumni from my high school got together to recognize that This man had spent decades harassing students who came through our school, and they started working with the school district to make sure that that never happened again. And I say I was like Harry, because at the time, I knew what he was doing was completely inappropriate, but it didn't really bother me. I wasn't the target. I didn't speak up. And in retrospect, that's completely horrifying. And so I wanted to call in and give a blessing to Parvati Patil and the incredible alumni from my high school who are advocating for change now and anyone else who is calling out inappropriate behavior. You are all an inspiration to me, and I, and I hope to be more like you. Margot, thank you so much for that voicemail. And I hear you and in your kind of reflection on your own experience that sits uncomfortably and in your admiration for people who are advocating for change, like at a local level, in our families, in our schools, as well as kind of the big national and international picture that we're all looking at as a culture finally. So thank you for that. And Margot, I also just wanted to add that I think it's important when we look back on these moments when we were children to forgive ourselves for what we might be seeing as our own complicity in these things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you liked the attention that someone who, when looking back, was giving you inappropriate attention, I think it's really important to know that you were a child and you did nothing wrong. They were the adult. And I just think it's important for us to forgive ourselves for those things. And I also just want to validate that it is super creepy that nobody yes. can see through clothes. And again, shame on the powers that be. Shame on Dumbledore. Shame on the principal in your school who didn't do a classroom visit and see that your teacher was behaving inappropriately. These things are allowed to thrive on a structural level. Yes. So, Vanessa, it's time for us to bless someone from the pages of this chapter. And I feel like I want to offer like so many blessings. But who did you want to give a blessing to for this chapter? Like Margot, actually, I would like to also offer a blessing to Parvati because we see that same strength 
in how she is treating Harry after the dance, right? Mm. Harry asks her to the dance, and she's very flattered to be asked by the champion, but she still feels like she had the right to be treated well at that dance, and Harry has not apologized for his treatment of her. I think for a 14-year-old young woman to have a sense of how she deserves to be treated and not take anything less even though he's the popular boy is a really good start to her becoming a fabulous young woman as she continues to grow. And so I want to offer a blessing to women everywhere who know how they deserve to be treated and advocate for it. Also go get a cute boyfriend from Beau Baton. Yeah, just go get a French boy. Casper, who would you like to bless this week? My blessing is for Hagrid. He's gone into what I like to call a doom spiral. He's feeling sorry for himself for good reason. Nothing is worse than being paraded in front of the whole nation for something that you don't want people to see. It's so humiliating. And he's being outed against his will. Yeah. And there's so many layers of pain and trauma and discrimination here. So my blessing is for Hagrid, first of all, because this has happened to him and it happens to many people against their will. But I also love that he's able to draw strength from his father, who has been dead for some time. Like, Hagrid really is alone in the world in terms of family until later in the books. And so I just want to wish my very best for anyone who maybe wants to draw on their parents or their ancestors or somehow the memory of someone who knows a bigger truth than what they're stuck in right now and to help give them courage in that moment. Here, here. You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and leave us a review on iTunes. I love to read them. I do it every week. Or you can send us a voicemail by recording a note and sending it to harrypottersacredtext at gmail.com. Next week, we will be reading Chapter 25, The Egg and the Eye, through the theme of preciousness. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was produced by Ariana Nettleman, Casper Turkile, and me, Vanessa Zoltan. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull, and we're part of the Panoply Network. You can find ours and other great shows on panoply.fm. Please join our crowdfunder at harrypottersacredtext.com and help us reach our two goals of 2,000 donors and $75,000. Thanks for this week's voicemail from Margot Zarin Pass. Thanks as ever to Rebecca and Charlie Dudley, Julia Argy, and of course, Stephanie Bullsell. We'll see you all next week. And we'll see some of you in Minneapolis. Whoop, whoop. Um, we should have music written for this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Casper's Brainwave Corner. <laughs>